Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Encyclopedia of Dating, and I am here with the doctor. Allegedly. <laughs> I thought it froze for a second and I was going to be really upset. I was getting ready to hit pause. <laughs> no, no. No, I'm here. Okay. Alleged, so alleged let's, uh, let's, uh, let's just keep that between our, ourselves listeners. <laughs> um, you know, I do have a life outside of uh, the pod and in medicine, and I don't want to confuse the two. So I haven't had any life outside of the pod. I'm just living in lockdown. This is the only thing I have to look forward to. Actually, I'm reading a really good book right now, which we're going to pod about at some point, but I look forward to the pod. It's like, it makes me feel like I've had like a social outing almost. What book are you reading? I am reading Five Love Languages. Oh, yeah. So we just talked about that. Yeah, it's um, it's intense, but I'm reading it, I'm getting through it, and I'll be excited to discuss it when I am done. And I'm actually taking notes throughout as well, so I'm stopping at the end of every chapter. I do like a reflection page, but I am writing certain quotes and certain just important sentences that seem to resonate with me. But I mean, like I said, I want to talk about that another time. Today, we're going to talk about something much more loving and wonderful and family oriented. Today, we're going to talk about divorce. Yay! (laughs) In spite of all the toxicity associated with connotations of divorce, it's... uh, it could actually be some of the healthiest things you could do, go through, quite frankly, for family, depending on where you're at. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, my I my thoughts and feelings about divorce have come such a long way. I don't know if we have touched upon it in the podcast before, because we've been doing this for like a year now, and I know my views have changed on other things, but... You know, for me, growing up, especially in an Indian family and such a large family where we've had several instances of arranged marriages between my cousins, who are all born and raised first-generation Canadians, divorce was just not an option. Like, I grew up with such a strong belief in the foundation of marriage and that when you've made that choice with somebody, you stick through it. And I know how horrible this is going to sound, but especially when I was in, I would say, high school, like up until high school, divorce was what white families did. Like, that's how it was discussed in our house. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree with how uh, it was presented to me. It's that um, whole notion that you you ride it out no matter what. Um, you know, the whole notion of even seeking help, like couples counseling, things like that are, are foreign concepts that are met with, you know, ridicule and 
you know, they're just not taken seriously. They're not given any credence. And then on top of that, uh, I, I totally agree with how divorce is something that white people do, something what they do. Mm. It's not something that we do in our community. Um, I think the other big thing, too, is because women are more empowered in the West, mm. it's there. It's looked as a viable option, whereas I think so many women, the Punjabi community, obviously being the one that I think you and I can relate to the most, but I think yeah. in the Indian community in general. Absolutely. The whole idea of a woman getting divorced is looked as such, as such a stigma. Um, I think so many women fear being ostracized from the community, mm-hmm. for being judged, for being looked at as a bad mother, a bad wife. Um, you know, and, and then the sad part is the burden of proof always falls on them. It's it's never the husband's fault because in, in, in Indian society, men are looked at as God's. You know, breadwinners and, and the sons are considered perfect by their yeah. moms and put on a pedestal. And it's always the women who are shameless sinners and, and, and bad women. Or who know, bring it upon wives. themselves. Exactly. Rather than, hey, you know, this, this husband's abusive. <laughs> You know, this husband's whooping whooping her ass and, and calling her names, and then a woman is expected to endure that. Um, a man can have an affair, and that's totally acceptable. Yeah. So, you know, there's these really archaic uh, ideas in terms of gender roles and, and expectations for men and women. And um, I, mean, I think our- that's you know, a big reason why divorce is also looked as, again, it's, it's just like most, like mo- you know, there tends to be a religious component too, and like most religions, they tend to blame women. So. Yeah. I mean, I think our culture has a long way to go in general, and I think there is a lot of change happening in India, and I'm just going to touch upon one thing that I've noticed come up briefly, but I was going to say, I might be wrong about this, and maybe it's changed in the more recent years, but I believe India was known to have one of the lowest divorce rates in the world, and, you know, my parents would always talk about that, and growing up, I thought it was something to be proud of. But then, you know, with more research, more understanding and more insight into Indian culture, especially out of India, I've come to realize that that's not so much a medal of honor to wear as it is the fear that a lot of women live with and a lot of the things that you're saying that they don't see divorce as a choice. So you'd rather continue being abused or cheated on or being mistreated, sometimes even by family members, because, you know, obviously it's very common for a woman to go live with her husband's family. So having a low divorce rate doesn't actually mean what people think it means. And I think it's perhaps important for our parents to recognize that. Um, Now, I was going to say that with the change that I've noticed, because obviously I don't live in India and I don't spend much time there anymore, but there's been some really strong media um, in advertisements where they have depicted women being abused and standing up for themselves. You know, um, children helping their mother stand up for themselves, uh, parents, um, in-laws, and they have been done really, really well in a way that I think speaks to the culture, kind of in like a Bollywood style. And, you know, not that there's song and dance, but where it's a little bit more dramatic or the commercials are, you know, perhaps longer than those 30 seconds. There is one about female abuse. I saw it a couple years ago now where this woman is beaten by her husband and she uses a lot of makeup to cover it up. And then her friend is kind of like, you know, this isn't okay. And then her friend's husband is also like, this isn't okay. And then finally her son helps her speak out. And I don't know what it was an ad for. I think it was for like a bank or something and about, you know, probably 
having your own checking or savings account so that you have choices. But I remember seeing it and I was like, you know, this is a big step. I can imagine that those media rooms and the people who are filming and it's still a quite male dominated industry. You know, there's still very few Indian female directors, producers, it's a ball and Bollywood is a powerhouse. I mean, the amount of movies they release every year is just phenomenal. So, you know, women don't have a, Oh, absolutely. It's so much bigger than Hollywood. Um, so, you know, women, women don't have a strong role in that particular area. So it's really nice to see that they are speaking up against change. You know, there's a lot about what's that thing called where a woman has to kill herself. If her husband dies first, she's supposed to like jump onto his body. Sati. Hmm. Sati. So for the listeners out there, Sati is when a widow is expected to basically throw herself on the funeral pyre that is burning her dead, that's cremating her dead husband. While she's still um, alive. It was considered, yeah, while she's still alive. It was considered like, oh, she's not, she can't survive without her husband, therefore she should die as well. Um, so while you were uh, discussing what you were saying, though, I looked at some stats. The divorce rate in India is about 1%. There we go. Which is fucking insane, right? Yeah, that is cycle. Um, but it is, it, it, it is on the rise, though. I think there's a few reasons. One, um, stigma about divorce is decreasing. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, I think more people are, are willing to talk about it. Two, I think um, smartphones and technology and the internet is increasing awareness about these things um, in a way where, you know, I think often, especially in arranged marriages, I mean, the female, the woman is moving with the, the son and probably his parents, right? So Absolutely. all she's getting is this one-sided message. So, of course, you know, this would explain why so many women feel the shame and burden of, of a marriage failing because, hey, you're around the son, the fucking husband and his, his family. Like, it's their fucking family that are telling you that it's your fault. Yeah. But I think that, you know, now that people have this awareness, they have the ability to communicate with their own families. I think it's allowing people to, you know, discuss when they're being abused, when they're being mistreated. Uh, I think that's um, done a lot to help empower women in a way that just quite frankly didn't happen in in previous times. Um, I think on top of that, too, there's more women that are educated, just like here in the West, Mm -hmm. um, which means there's more financial independence. So you're not sitting there dependent on a man to be the breadwinner. I think that makes a big deal. Um, I also think, too, slowly but surely... Um, there's more love marriages rather than arranged marriages. So I think there's less of the family pressure to kind of. Do you actually you think know, there's more love marriages happening? Even I mean, in, I know India's in changing, India, but in India, yeah, yeah, in India, yeah. Okay, I don't it's know. Nowhere near what it is. It's nowhere near what it is here in Canada or America or the West. But yeah, but yeah, I guess the stats it's, it's there are changing. Because as they're more westernized and exposed to these ideas, there is a shift in culture. It's obviously not going to be as drastic as what we see in, uh, you know, Western-born Desi people. Like, right. You know, you and I. Yeah. But it's there. And uh, on top of that, though, it's, you know, when you have a love marriage rather than arranged marriage, there's not that idea of families being joined as much. You know what I mean? There's not mm-hmm. this idea that... We made a match, and if you break it, then you're dishonoring us. So I think there's less pressure there as well. I think a lot of, um, much as what we've seen here in Canada and the States too, I think a lot of women, when they speak to their moms, their moms are realizing they don't want their daughters to go through what they went through. Mm. 
That's and true. Yeah, break the cycle. Realize exactly realizing that they actually have the opportunity to to be independent and be autonomous and not be subject to these cultural expectations and pressures, which are really realistic and more toxic than, than nurturing. Yeah, I think that helps. And I so, think. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I think overall, it's just uh, women are more independent. They're given more autonomy, and they're not as. Um, Again, they're not as isolated as they used to be. So I, I think that's a big part of it, um, at least in the Indian community. Now, is it anywhere in, close to where it needs to be? Of course not. You know, I, I have uh, family members who are in unhappy marriages, women and men. And yeah. um, again, there's this big part of it where they do stay in it because of cultural expectations. Even though they've been in America or Canada for most of their lives, they still look at it from a decidedly Indian, Desi kind of perspective. And well, of course, our, it's bullshit. Our but, I mean, you know, growing up in our culture, we know how much it's impacted and influenced us. I mean, you know, on one end of the spectrum, we're quite lucky that we've grown up in surroundings where we've been able to develop our own thinking and our individual thought process in so many of these things that perhaps me and you would have turned out very differently if we were raised in India and our surroundings, our experiences, and also our friendships were in that kind of singular path. Because, you know, I think that affects things a lot. I mean, me and you have conversations that helps us with growth. But if we were surrounded by everybody who had arranged marriages, who stayed in them, where divorce wasn't an option, then it would affect us in some way, too. So, yes, our culture and religion has shifted with our parents over and it impacts us and perhaps, you know, makes us feel guilty about things. But we are also lucky to be part of the change and I was going to say that with what you're saying about the changes happening in India I think eventually it will reach the same place as the western society it's just you know taking longer to get there but things like technology and social media are speeding it up because otherwise we would have ended up that way too I mean for me personally I can't speak for you I think my parents did try to shelter me from a lot of western ideologies and they did a lot of stuff to kind of keep our culture and religion alive within our house whether it be you know trying to stick to Indian channels with like TV and music and movies or making sure that my social gatherings were in the Indian community. So I was kind of sheltered from this outside world and a lot of my... So being surrounded by this Indian community and an Indian social circle, I think my parents did try to perhaps keep me in this safe bubble. And because, you know, they thought that's what would be best for me because my parents would have loved for me to have an arranged marriage with an Indian doctor or engineer. But, you know, eventually I shifted and I started, I guess, following more Western ideology. So I ended up the way I did. But if I was in India, I honestly, I don't know how I would have become. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, every marriage I think I've been to has been arranged. In my life, like every celebration reception. Oh wow! Except Even in your like, own family, except for except for like the last five years of my life, where friends of mine that were Punjabi but born in Canada started getting married, and two of my close friends married white women. Okay. Um. So, so but every other marriage is 
you know, I mean, so there's one other friend, obviously, you think you married an uh, Indian girl, he met off like match.com or mm-hmm. shanti.com, well, you know, one of those deal mill, one of those stupid websites <laughs> and whatnot. Um, but every other one is arranged. Um, other than obviously white friends, because they don't have arranged marriages. But yeah, of course. Every other marriage, every cousin who's gotten married was arranged. Um, every family friend was arranged to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, it may, have, it may not have been the traditional matchmaking, but it was like, you know, like, you know, my mussy knows your mussy. Let's yeah. have them exchange numbers and Facebooks and go from there. So, so there is that familial component. You know, so all I've ever seen is that. That's really the reference for me. And, you know, even my bro, my mom met my brother's fiance's mussy randomly and they set it up and then turns out they liked each other and now they're engaged. Amazing. Yeah. So there's still that component. It's maybe not the pure Desi matchmaking. It's not that Indian matchmaking TV show level. (laughs) it's, 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 It's like that. It's close, right? Yeah. A hybrid form. Um, yeah, and I mean, we would do that with friends too, right? Like, we'd always be open to meeting somebody um, in that sense. So I think, I think matchmaking yeah. and arranged marriages, like, I mean, we've we've had we've had matchmaking in our family. I would say it was more matchmaking than arranged marriages. I wouldn't say, you know, my cousins and uh, second cousins were forced to marry these people. It was more like the families got together. They thought they would be a good match. And then they let the kids, you know, kind of start talking and mingling. And then the kids actually agreed. And I think, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of their marriage, but they seem happy. And those arrangements have worked out so far. Yeah. In, in my experience, um, most of them have worked out. I, I think a big part of that, though, is that my male cousins who have been in those situations are a little bit more westernized than than, than Desi, which is good because they're actually able to be more accommodating husbands, not expecting the woman to kind of wait on them hand and foot, which mm-hmm. I think is quite frankly the, the paradigm that our parents' generation came from, where yes. the wife is expected to be a servant yeah. for all intents and purposes, and not just for the husband, but for the whole husband's whole family. Well, there's always that notion with um, in our culture where a woman always belongs to a man. So first you belong to your husband. Uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. First you belong to your father. Um, then your father um, passes you on to your husband. And then I guess... You know, maybe, and then, and then the sun, then the yeah, sun then the sun, yeah. You know, and, and you know, I, like I think about that. If I grew up in a basic society, one, I wouldn't speak to you because I would think you were a whore. Um, <laughs> I like how you threw that in that there. The well done. The well like, done. Be a backwards misogynist, misogynistic dick, because I would have all these antiquated ideas of how you're supposed to behave and what I'm entitled to. I mean, you know, that's probably a pod for another day, but it's, it is something I think about sometimes that how much of my personality and my independence and the way I've grown up, how much of it is based on social structure and surroundings, you know, would I still have the same traits? You'd be damaged goods. In it. Like, <laughs> I, like I said, I wouldn't even talk to you. I'd be dirty. I'd be filthy myself right now. Well, like, if so. I was in India, my dating experiences wouldn't have gone from white guys to black guys. And, you know, I wouldn't be meeting people from all these different cultures and backgrounds. Like, I've lived in some of the best cities in the world. Toronto, London, um, you know, Bangkok, Seoul. Like, these are very 
maybe Bangkok isn't as international, but it still gave me the opportunity to meet people from around the world. That scope just wouldn't have existed in India. We'll talk about that another day, but no. it is um, um, worthwhile yeah, remembering. But I, but I do think, again, all this, that all does play into the conversation we're having now, because when you look at the stigma around divorce, even though it's more accepted, there's still a stigma. And, you know, it's interesting. But I'm there's stigma at, in the uh, West, too. It's not like it's... No. Uh, not 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 like our. Not like no, of course it's not like ours, but, but it's but, not but like even even amongst um, like Westernized Indian people, though. There's still a huge stigma. Absolutely, though, and that's what I mean. I, I would say it's so much more prevalent now. Like I, I have plenty of family friends who have their uh, their daughter or son got a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who are my age or within five years of age. You know, people, they're, they're getting divorced, and, and it's wild because, you know, again, it's, it's still such a foreign notion, even though it's one that, like, I look at, like, okay, like, uh, if, if it happens, it happens, right? Like, I, mm. I don't think it, it means a, it's a, it necessarily a um, an indictment of someone's character. Sometimes it just doesn't work, and I do think that so many people rush into marriage that, or they get married because of family pressures, and wanting to please other people rather than really finding the person for them. And that's why you see such a high rate of separation and divorce. Um, Well, I think that's a very good transition into speaking about us as individuals. How do you feel about, you know, we're both quite open about, you know, wanting good long-term relationships, wanting marriage, wanting kids. Um, so how do you feel about divorce and has that changed over time? Have you grown in your understanding of it? Where, where did you start and kind of, where are you now? I think things well, like course. age play a factor as well. I mean, of course, I think we we're, you and I are probably both taught that it was wrong. The only white people do that mm-hmm. or, 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 or people from bad families in the Indian community. Um, people who give up, uh, uh, people who don't try. Yeah, people who are lazy, people mm-hmm. who are uneducated. Any negative connotation you want to throw out there, I've heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously it's all bullshit. I think that it all is dependent on the situation. Would my mom have probably left my dad if she felt it was socially acceptable? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus yeah would my dad have left my mom yeah because they're both horrible to each other yeah uh so i mean at the end of the fucking day like would i have been less traumatized if they got divorced yes so you know for me now i'm very mindful that you know what obviously I, I would never go into a marriage thinking a divorce is something i want to consider but i mean let's be honest there's it's if it's if it's the best thing for everyone then of course i'm going to be for it because at the end of the day i don't want to raise kids that have to live in a broken home i sure as fuck don't want to have to keep getting into arguments and fights and disputes with someone just because we can't stand each other and we don't know how to have conflict resolution if i'm with someone who's not willing to work on the relationship and you know go to marriage counseling and keep working on herself as much as i'm willing to then of course it's not going to work i'm not just going to sit there and do all the work while someone else is is content to let it be dysfunctional i'm really glad you said that because 
even without you going there, I know you well enough to know that you would have mentioned counseling, but I think it's important for listeners to know that when you are talking about divorce, you would exhaust all other options. And that's, that's a nuclear option. You don't go there first. Yeah. Sometimes you have to, you know, drop a bomb on Japan, so to speak, because you know, that's what white people did. Apparently, that's okay. Uh, not wow. you know, white people, but yeah. Um, but you know, like that's like here's the honest truth, though: is sometimes you just can't fix something, and usually that's because someone doesn't want to try to fix themselves. And whatever baggage people have from their childhood, whatever trauma they have, if they don't work on these things and they bring them into the marriage, they are inevitably going to cause rips, and they are going to lead to issues. Um, so I'm a big believer that, like, you know, people should work on themselves. They should go to therapy. They should get help for themselves. Find means of coping and, and become spiritual and do, th- do things that are going to help them be able to deal with another personality. And, if, you know, sh- you know, if, if, if this is a different time and age, you know, yeah, the, what the man says is whatever. The woman has to just be completely subservient. I mean, fuck, that's... When, of course, men thought it was easier back then because you didn't have to do shit. I mean, but I, I don't want to be in a fucking relationship like that. More importantly, I don't want to raise daughters who think that's what they should be like. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a firm believer that I want my, my... If I have daughters, and I hope I do, I want them to be empowered. I want them to be strong. Mm-hmm. And how are they going to learn that if their mother isn't so right? You know what yeah, I mean? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fine line, right? Like you want to be able to have a harmonious household, but you want to raise strong independent children. And a lot of that is like showing them this is healthy conflict resolution. Yeah. Like it's okay to have conflict, but how do you resolve it in a healthy way? How do you have disputes and discussions without it devolving into, into angry arguments and, and name calling and yelling and throwing the dishes and, and physical you know, violence. God forbid, God forbid physical violence. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I was exposed to a lot of that shit as a kid. So yeah. I don't want that to be something that I expose my children to, which is probably why I'm not married and I don't have kids. Um, it's probably why I didn't pull the trigger on getting married with a couple of different people uh, that, that you knew. I yeah, mean, there's a reason why it was discussed, but it didn't, I didn't take it there because I was like, this relationship isn't healthy. And, and, and that's not to say it was all the, the woman's fault. It wasn't. It was, I was just as culpable in it because clearly it takes two people to tango and you can't have you know very rarely is it one-sided and do i think it was more their fault than mine of course because that's natural human tendency um and human nature to do that but like let's be honest relationships take two people and i, I was just as culpable in these things too and, and I, I look at both of these women that i was actually thinking about marriage with i would have been divorced mm-hmm. would have cheated um definitely would have been out acting a fool, doing fucked up shit, arguing with them, you know, getting nasty verbally, because that's just how the dynamics were in these relationships. And I don't want it to get to that point ever again. Uh, I'd rather be single. And the good thing is, since I took a step back and worked on myself, when I've been dating, it's been so much healthier. You know, and it's it's like, I'm like, okay, even though it didn't work out with these women, at least it was like a much more amicable relationship and friendship. And I could actually be close with these people after we dated and still be friends with them in a way that I couldn't with these people before. So, yeah, you know, but I mean, everything I look at before would have been a fucking divorce and a half. Would have been a divorce and a half. I hear what you're saying. I really do. I mean, there's no point of me even getting into my own thoughts about it because they echo yours so closely down to the toxic relationship that I saw my parents growing up with. 
the physical, emotional, verbal abuse that was completely normalized in our household and was a way of solving things. To me, growing up, understanding that that was normal in relationships and was to be expected. The one person I thought that I was going to marry, I mean, if we had stayed together, it definitely would have ended horribly. And unfortunately, there would have been kids in the picture because that is something we were both passionate about. I'm still very passionate about having children. And I'm going to bring up a question about children in a second. I think we would have separated. I think we would have hated each other. And I think I would have repeated that cycle of a child seeing and growing up in a very abusive environment because I think that's how I would have handled my anger because there was so much of it. And I think when you see physical violence as an option being played out in front of you, it's a lot easier to reach that point yourself, whether you agree with it or not. You can be against physical violence yourself, but you normalize it in your head because my parents did it. My aunts and uncles did it. My friends' parents did it. Everyone does this. This is normal. This is what happens with couples, with marriages, with relationships, you find a way to make it okay. Um, yeah, you rationalize it. Absolutely. Like, and it's, it's horrible that we do that. It it's really is, and it's worrying. Um, now I will say, as I've grown and matured and am trying to get better in all relationships, my last one being the one where I had the most constructive... They weren't even arguments, they were discussions. And in those moments, I remember being able to step back and being like, wow... This is so different. My own reactions are different. My way of thinking and listening is different. So I'm glad that those things are happening. And I'm very happy that in my immediate social circle, you, my brothers, there is such a positive energy around therapy and seeking help and talking to medical professionals. I think that's quite wonderful because that's a lovely thing to normalize. I have some really close people to me right now in therapy, and I hope it benefits them, but I'm glad that they're able to take the steps and confide in me that they're going to do that. And I would like to think that if I did get married now, so far down the road, I would exhaust all options before divorce was happening. Now, my question with children was going to be this. Do you think... If you are in a relationship where you are financially dependent on your partner, as a male or a female, and you have children in the relationship, do you think that would prolong the divorce process? Or perhaps if you felt trapped? So let's say, I mean, it's really different for you because I think a lot of women become the primary caregivers in a divorce situation. You know, it's very easy for women to get custody of kids. So... I guess I'll put it in my scenario. So if I was with a man and for some reason I wasn't working and I didn't have any savings and I was completely financially dependent on him and, you know, we were going down the path of divorce and we decided, you know what, let's stick it out till our kids are 18. Like we're going to try our best to, you know, have a healthy household. Like obviously we don't want to be fighting and screaming, but me and him decide we're going to wait till the kids are 18 and then I can kind of be out there taking care of myself versus being out there and trying to support me and my child. How do you feel about that type of decision-making? People who are staying together for the sake of their kids, 
not, not just it ending there. They're aware that they need to, you know, have a functioning household. How do you feel about that process? Well, I think, and this is from experience, if it was, if you're really going to stay together for the sake of the kids, you would figure out a way to make it work regardless. Clearly you can't. You know what I mean? Um, my parents used to use that excuse all the time. I stayed, my dad would be like, I stayed with your mom because of the kids and my mom would say the same. That's fucking bullshit. If, if it was really about the kids, then they would have made it a healthy, nurturing environment for us to be raised in and have healthy role models as parents and, and, and husbands and wives, not a, not, not a place full of chaos and yelling and screaming and fucking name calling and, and emotional and, and verbal abuse. Um, so you know, no, I think that's bullshit. I think if, if you if you realize it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Now you can keep it civil, but I mean, clearly, you would have made it work in the first place if you could. If you can't, that's fine. There's no harm in that. Right, but, but what think, about the financial better, aspect I think of it? Better just okay. You know, like again, there's a reason why there's there's alimony, there's child support, and things like that. I think that's important is, is to exercise those options. Um, obviously, these are really fucked up financial times so I think for a lot of people you know we, they kind of have to stay together for financial reasons but if that's the case you better you better make sure that you are able to communicate in a healthy way in front of your kids because otherwise you're just fucking your kids up mm -hmm. um, so again I mean I, it's, it's hard for me to buy that you know we're doing it for the kids excuse it's not just that we're doing it for the kids. It's looking at your finances as well, being like, I as a single non-earner cannot provide. Like, alimony only goes so far. If you and your partner have a house, have, you know, I don't know, a yard, are close to a certain school, and one person, well, I'll put myself in the position, as, a, as the mother, I don't have the means to just move somewhere and live in the same way and, you know, take my child away from all their comforts of home and friends and school school so i'm willing to stay with the father just well, for a little bit longer like i said there's there's a price to be paid for comforts it is you have to ask yourself is the potential trauma from being exposed to an unhappy marriage worth these so-called comforts i mean again yeah. and that's that's a decision that people have to make i, I can't tell people one way or another what's right or wrong because every situation is different i know for myself staying my parents staying in this arrangement where myself, brother, and sister are exposed to trauma every fucking day. It was extremely unhealthy and very toxic. And still something that I have to deal with at times. Yeah. Um, and I wish I didn't have to. Um, again, you know, I was blessed with a lot of gifts from God where I could cope with it. Being intelligent enough to get educated, being hardworking enough, having you know, artistic endeavors that can, that can use to channel and process these things in a healthy way. Not everyone has that. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's blessed like that. So I'm grateful for what I was given by God, but not everyone is given as much. So I don't think it's a matter of, you know, I'm just going to figure things out. That's, that's not how it fucking works. It's, mm -hmm. it's you know, we're, we're human beings are fragile. And if you're exposed to enough fucked up shit, you normalize it. And then mm -hmm. what do you do? You end up repeating the same patterns in relationships as you get older. So, yes, um, you know, and that, that's really, I think, the biggest detriment for me is me doing the very toxic things my parents did to one another, me internalizing these and doing these with my partners as I grew older and vice versa, because 
being a traumatized person, I naturally sought out other traumatized people. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And naturally, my baggage and her baggage would clash. And now we're taking out our childhood traumas on one another rather than healing it. Yeah. Um, it's a shame because I don't think any of the people I dated were inherently bad people. I just think when you're a fucked up person because you've seen fucked up things, you do fucked up things to other people. Yeah, it's all you about that I mean? cycle we always talk about. Yeah, so, and again, I'm just as guilty of it as, as these women were, so I'm not putting it all on the women. I'm putting it more on the women, actually, not all. So. Okay, so um, we've talked about our opinions of divorce and how you know, what might cause us to go through divorce and our personal, you know, views on children and finances in the midst of it. So, you know, let's look at it from a broader scope. Would you date someone who is divorced? I have. Oh, you have. Interesting. I have. I have. I've dated single moms. I've dated separated women. I've dated divorced women. Totally cool with it. I don't care. Your past is your past. As long as you're working on yourself and that doesn't become baggage in our current arrangement or relationship or entanglement or whatever it is i'm totally cool with it would Um, you say the same um, thing if it was more than one divorce i mean that's a great question i mean i I, I mean i think that's at some point you have to ask like are you maybe getting into relationships too quickly are you are you not doing the work on yourself that you need to do before you jump into another relationship and inevitably you have to ask like where is this headed then if, if this is kind of the pattern right um you know and, and that's but that could, it goes both ways you know like I, I like i think for me like getting married is a big deal so i never want to go into a marriage thinking divorce is an option even though of course it is right but you have to ask yourself about someone who's constantly going into marriages and using divorce as an option mm-hmm um, and if, is it like, well, okay, if you keep ending up with like physically abusive men, why are you choosing that? Right. The cycle like, there's again. There's got to be something about you that you haven't, de- you know, developed the capability to, to process about yourself or understand where you are choosing men to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there are some people who are just unlucky and they end up with abusers and shit, but at the same time, there is a component and I don't think it's always willful often it's subconscious that's causing people to pick up partners and end up in, in relationships with the same patterns or behavior so mm-hmm. so yeah more than more than one divorce I'd have to kind of be like yo what's up but I mean come on like in, in your 30s if you're gonna date someone else in our age group there's a very high chance you're gonna be someone who's divorced it is or, very or, true. or, or, or a single parent because yeah. it just didn't work out um I mean, even when I was, I mean, shit, I've dated some 20 year olds, some women in their mid 20s with kids because they got pregnant young. Super young, yeah. I mean, it's common. So I don't, it, it's hard for me to sit there and be like, yo, she can't have kids or she can't be married before. Like, now, obviously, I think for me, not having kids and not having been married, it'd be nice to meet it's someone. The preference. Who's both, yeah. But. I mean, when I meet who I, who I love and that's who I want to be with, that's who I want to be with regardless, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to sit there and be like, no, because you have kids, this is a deal breaker. Yeah. Because you've been married before, before this is a deal breaker. No, what's, what's a deal breaker is that you're a fucking piece of shit and, and, we, and we can't coexist. Like, that's a deal breaker. So, um, you know, so I, I am a firm believer that it's situation specific. 
I'd have to get to know the person. I, I couldn't just make a blank judgment call, but that would not be an immediate red flag to say, no, I can't be with you. Mm-hmm. How, how about yourself? For me, divorce is not a problem at all. I think I've come across a lot of people who've been very honest with their past relationships. And I think for a lot of people that get married quite early on, especially when it's in their early 20s, which I'm very thankful that I didn't do because I think my journey and my growth in my 20s has been so substantial that I barely recognize the person I was then. And it's difficult to expect a partner to grow in the same direction as you. So when people tell me they grew apart, I really understand where they're coming from. I think your 20s are the biggest time of growth and development. So that is totally cool, no problem. If it's one divorce, I think at two, like yourself, I would question what they have learned, what they are thinking about going into relationships, what work they've done. But for me personally, kids at this point in my life is a deal breaker. Um, Whether it's from a marriage or it's from just a relationship, I am not in a mental and emotional state where I can date a guy with kids. I have tried to do it before and I found it to be very, very difficult just for myself and it was something I couldn't move past. I think as I get older, of course, that's not really just going to be a viable option because to be honest, I'll just be turning too many people away because it's just, you know, people in their 30s have children, a child, several kids. Um, But as of now, well, I mean, I would say I hope as always that our lives turn out to be wonderful and fulfilling. And, you know, it's nice to have your opinions and views about something like divorce clear. I mean, I find these discussions very healthy because then when I'm having these discussions with a potential partner, I find that I have a lot more clarity in my own views and in the questions and concerns I might have. So, yeah. Well, I mean, shit, I can be a lot more... I can, just, I can express a lot more toxic masculinity if you prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with everything you have shown me today. A nice daisy housewife, that's fine, I'll do that. But, oh, well. Um, I mean, for me, it, that's just, you know, I mean, that's not me. I'm not, I wasn't raised like that. And even if I may have been raised like that, it's definitely not the ideas I internalized. Um, I am very much a, a modern... I would like to think a modern, healthy adult male and with very liberal attitudes towards what I think is healthy and acceptable for women. Um, you know, and I think about that a lot too. I mean, my sister has a daughter. I have a niece who I adore and I definitely want her to grow up with healthy kind of ideas about herself and what she can be become. And I know I want to have at least one daughter and I know that I would totally dote on her and want the world for her and I would sure as hell wouldn't want her to be someone who, who's limited by the expectations of, of her male partner or female partner whatever partner she decides I mean let's mm-hmm. be honest yeah. by the time we have kids the male and female pronouns may not even be appropriate for them yeah we're gonna have so, to learn you know, a whole new English language and you yes, know it's so nice that other, uh, it's nice that we are going to allow our children to be in a much more open world and have healthier relationships not just with the people around them but they'll have healthier relationships with their parents Parents, which is something that me and you have unfortunately not had the privilege of. 
So I pray that we have wonderful marriages, wonderful children, and, you know, divorce is something that we never have to deal with. No, I'm just going to beat my kids so they don't do anything that you just said. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm continuing the generational cycle of trauma. Thank you very much. It's the same <laughs> people for thousands of years, and they shall continue to do the same moving forward, okay? So, um, yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> as you continue the toxic cycle, <laughs> this has been an yes. episode of the Encyclopedia of Dating. Until next time. Namaste.